Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. If Philippians 2 verse 12. Good to have Pastor Marty back from vacation. Hallelujah, all refreshed and ready to be back. I think Char, she's in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Oh, going to go get her this weekend. All right. Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, hallelujah, when does it count the most? Counts the most in the absence of him, of others. You obey when nobody else is looking. You obey when there's not anyone there praising you or, you know, patting you on the back. You know, when the boss is not around, praise God, you still do your job. You're still, and um, you, you just keep doing it. Because why? Because the Bible says we do it unto the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's when, that's when the rewards come. I said, that's when the rewards come unto you. Amen. You just don't pick up a broom and start pushing around when the, the boss comes around. Hallelujah. No, you do it. You're doing it when he's not there, when he's uh, not around, nobody's seeing you, you're still, you're still being faithful. So he says, beloved, as you always obey, not as my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So <clears throat> I'm going to be talking, we're going to be talking about uh, God, God's work in you and your part of working it out. And um, probably I'm going to spend a few weeks on this. But he says we're to, that we're to begin to work out our own salvation. Um, we know that salvation, we're not to work for salvation. Salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, It's a a gift. And so it's not something, you know, and religion would have you try to work for it. Religion is about works, about what you can do, what you can attain, what your performance, uh, you know, everything outwardly, trying to... uh, trying to attain really what already belongs to you. And um, in here, he's tell, he tells us that we're to work out our salvation. So this tells me that there's something that we have to do. It's just not, you know, this automatic thing happening. I mean, you know, you should be a, be a Christian long enough now to figure out it's just not automatic. And things just don't happen uh, when you first get saved, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, people praying for you and things do seem to happen good. But sooner or later, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take control. Amen. And he says here that we've got to learn to work out our own salvation. <clears throat> I like verse 13. He says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he says, now you're going to have to work it out on the outside, but it's God who, God is working on the inside. There's two works going on here. Now, the New Living Translation for 13 says this, for God is working in you, I like this one, 
giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Isn't that good? For as God is working in you, giving you the desires, amen. How many wants God's desires? Amen. We don't want our own. We want God's. And notice this. He says he gives you the power to do what pleases him. Now, again, this is not something automatic that happens. And I think if, you know, if we're not going to, if you don't spend the time in prayer, then these things are never going to, these things are never going to come to pass. Because God's working in us, but the only way that you find out what's being worked in you, number one, is in that time of fellowship with him. That's when that power is released, and that's when those desires are defined in you. Amen. And so this is what he's saying. God is working in you, giving you the desires, and he also gives you the power to to, uh, bring to pass what pleases him. Hallelujah. And so, you know, both of those things we want. I want want God's desires. I mean, I want to do God's will. I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, I don't want to have wrong desires. And the truth of it is, we can have wrong desires. A lot of times, you know, what is it? Proverbs says, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the way is of death. And you can be so convinced that this is the way of God. And, And how many times, how many of you have ever wanted or tried to, you know, you're, you're more lean in that way anyway. You want it to be that way. Well, I'm going to pray about it. Well, we're not really praying about it. We've already, we already know what we're going to do. Amen. And so these things that we're talking about here takes time in prayer to, for them to develop in you. God's desires. Waiting on God. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, 1 Corinthians 14.2 14, talks about he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto God. It says, how being in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries, uh, speaking out hidden things, things that are not obvious to his understanding. Well, how are those things going to be spoken out in us if we don't spend the time praying in the spirit? Amen. And so... All of these things that we're talking about tonight, there's, a, there's God's part and then there's our part. Okay, um, there's two sides to redemption. There's the legal side and then there's the experiential side. Now, <clears throat> I would say for the most part, most people um, are looking at the experiential side trying to define whether it is true or is not true. For example, you know, well, I'm righteous because of what I do. No, you're righteous because of what he's done for you. But most of the time, we're not looking at it that way. We're trying to become something that we already are. Christians are all the time. I mean, it'd be no different. You know, uh, here comes Mark coming in tonight, and you know, and... and, um, Sherry says, well, you know, be careful with him because he's trying to become a man tonight. Well, why would he try to, what is he trying to do to become a man? We know he already is a man. Right? Now, I know there are people today who are confused in this area, but, you know, that's, bless their hearts. But, you know, we're not trying to become something that we already are. It's the same way spiritually, 
The fact of it is, you're not, you don't look in the Bible and try to become that. If you're born again, you start, you start finding out who you are, what you've already become. And then from, from finding that out and having that established in your heart, then you'll start living that out in there. Okay? So legally, the first thing we have to do as Christians, we have to begin to uh, find out who we are. We have to find out our identity. We have to figure out what Christ did for us. Praise the Lord. And from that point on, then we begin to live and walk that out. In, uh, there's two works. There's God's side and there's man's side. And you're only responsible for your side. You're not responsible for God's side. Let me give you a scripture on this. James 1.25 God's side would be titled grace. All right? Everything that God has instituted, everything God has accomplished, that is the grace of God. And we have nothing, we have nothing in that but only to receive that. James 1, 25, it says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So no notice he says, there's a doer, there's something work, some work that you have to do. Listen, let me go and um, I'm going to read that whole thing. I want to read that, start at the top of that chapter. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he, or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So here he's, he's likened the word of God being a mirror. And as we look into the mirror, well, then we're starting, to, we're looking to see what God has created in us, what God has done in us, and what God is doing in us. That's what that mirror is showing you. Amen. It's, it's, it's showing forth Praise God, those things in Christ that God has done. And then he says, then from that point on, then now it's your responsibility to go forth and do the work. Do the work of what? Keeping that image before you of who you are. Amen, that you don't forget it. Keep it, that's what he's saying. Because the whole thing about this thing is that you don't go forth and forget how many, how many times do we go off and forget, you know, through the week, who we are in Christ, what, who's in us, what God has provided for us, until the next time that we come in just for a short period of time and look in the mirror again. Yeah. Amen. So we have to keep the mirror before us. And then that, as we look at that mirror, glory to God, because the mirror don't lie. It's, it's expressing who you are. It's a spiritual mirror. The word is spiritual. And as you're looking in the mirror, then you're, begin, you're, be, you're seeing beyond the flesh. 
You're seeing into the Spirit, and you're seeing who you you're seeing who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And as you do that, then those desires and that power is the, it begins to come forth to help bring that to pass out here in the, in the world. So, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continue therein, and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, <clears throat> I just want to touch on this real quickly. Uh, what some of this work is, what most of the work is for you. Number one is, is not forgetting. That's the work. Amen. See, uh, uh, seeing the importance in it. Seeing the importance of the word. You know, make it esteem in it. And then, you know, then secondly... The next part of it is your confession. Confessing what you're confessing who you are. He says here, verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridle not his tongue, uh, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Now listen to the Amplified. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observing the external duties of the faith, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, and barren. I don't know about you, that woke me up one day. You know what that means? That means you can come to church, go through all the motions, which a lot of we do, all there's churches everywhere. People are going through the motions, you know, going, doing the worship, listening to the word, going through communion, doing whatever that they come through. But then they go out and they forget everything they've heard. They forget who they are. And they begin talking negative, talking against what the, the mirror says, who they are. And, the, and he says here, he says, you're deceived. I'm telling you, that's a good sign of deception. Amen. That, and, he, and he likens that. He says, that's a person who hears the word and doesn't do the word. Now listen, I'm, I'm telling you, we're, we're all guilty in some area probably in this. But, but first of all, realizing that you are self-deceiving yourself when you don't listen and take heed to it, and begin working on what you're thinking on, the way you think about yourself, and what you're saying daily, then he says, then you are falling into the trap of self-delusion. And he said, your religious, he said, is futile and barren. There's nothing to it. It's, it's an all show. Are you here? Amen. And so it's really, get, it's really us waking up to the fact, listen, you know, what we're, what we're crediting ourselves to be doing that is rewarding to God and pleasing to God may not be. Because if we're not bearing any fruit, if there's no mind change, the renewing of our mind, if there is no tongue, you know, mouth change of our words, if we're still talking poor, old, get along, barely making it, sick, 
you know, defeated oh us, well then he says, you're self-deluded. You're, you're, not even, you're not even taking any interest in that mirror and when you leave here, there is no change taking place because you're making sure, you're the one who's preventing it. The power, the power is here to bring the change. Remember, he calls it the law of liberty. Whoever looks into the law of liberty. The liberties, the, the, the power to bring forth the change is there. But you're going to have to do the work. I have to do the work. Amen. Just because God's anointed me to pastor doesn't, he's not anointed me to live it. I have to do, I have to do the same things you guys have to do. Are you here? Amen. So he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observing the external duties of his faith, so that's whatever we can see, you know, tithing, doing communion, all of these things that are outward, but you don't bridle your tongue. So you remember, he's saying bridle your tongue as being a doer of the word. I never seen that before. I thought he just changed, changed subjects, but he didn't change subjects. Amen. He talks about he he he's going right he's going right along with that. You you look into the word, you concentrate on it, you you make sure that you you keep it before you. You don't forget about it. If you do forget about it, you know you go back to it. You keep rehearsing it. You keep bringing it up till it starts coming out your mouth. You start changing the way you talk. Amen. And he says. Um, you delude your own heart if you don't do this. So praise the Lord. So this is the work we're talking about. Being, you know, a doer of the word or doing of the doer of the work, the, that person is blessed. So that when we're talking about working out your own salvation, this is what we're mostly talking about. Is the renewing of your mind, your thinking. Hallelujah. Everyone here? Everybody okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Let's go back over here then to um, <clears throat> again when we're saying we're not working for our salvation, right? We're working out our our salvation. Big difference. Big difference. And, and so many people are in that trap trying to work for it. You know, going going out knocking on doors. Well, why am I knocking on the doors? Well, because I want to be in that part of the 144,000, you know. Well, I got news for you. That 144,000 has been filled up a long time ago. <laughs> so if you're doing it for that purpose, you're not going to get in. Amen. No, we're not trying to earn it. We're not trying to do a performance for it. Glory to God. But what we are doing, we're working out what we already possess. This is already who you are. Remember, Mark's not trying to become a man. You know, he could have been, he, you know, they could have told him at work. And people could have been teasing him. You're a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl, you know. And finally, Sherry had to slap him in the, in the face and said, Mark, you're a man. You're a man. Just, just look below. You're a man. <laughs> okay? So, we're not trying to become something that we're not. 
We're already that. And it's finding out who you are and believing in that and began to speak that and live by that. So I want to go here. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians one thirty. So I got... Uh, I want to talk to you about sanctification. First Corinthians one thirty. It says, "But but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption." Okay. So this is a redemptive scripture, meaning this is something that God has done. Remember we said that there are two works. There's God's work, and then there's our work. His work, we don't have anything to do with it. It was all his idea. It was all his doing, and he's the one who brought it to pass. He didn't, ask, he didn't ask for a committee. He didn't ask us to get involved. He didn't want to know what we thought about it. When it's grace, then it means he's the the one who initiated. He's the one who chose it. He's the one who performed it. He's the one who did it. Amen? We just sit back and receive it. Remember? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Gift. So it's always a gift. So this is a redemptive scripture, meaning this is what God did. This is not something that we're going to have any input on other than to reap the benefits of it, to enjoy it. All right? So he says, 1 Corinthians one thirty, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, it's always important being in Christ when he's talking, who of God is made unto us. Notice that, made. He made it. He made it. We didn't do it. He made it. And, and really, this to me, I got in parentheses right here, this is grace. When it says, he made unto you, just know, just know this is grace. Grace of God. He, what did he make unto you? What did he make you into? Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He made unto us wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. wisdom. Righteousness. Sanctification and redemption. All right. So this is something that was on God's end, not on your end. So the word sanctification here means this. A purifier. It means to make holy. It also, I always think of it as separation. It means separation, to be separate. A separation from sin unto God. All right? Now notice this is, you know, we talk about, you know, living a sanctified life, and are you sanctified, and I'm sanctified by the blood, and talking about all these different ways, you know, the ways that we say sanctified. But here, when we're talking about sanctified, we're talking about, again, what God did. This is something that He did, He did alone, and then we get to just to reap the benefit of it. We just get, if he made it unto us, then we can receive it and we can be sanctified. Amen? Again, a lot of times people are trying to, trying to obtain something that they already are. 
you know, basically when it comes to sanctification, you know, there, there's denominations, there, there's people who are trying to be sanctified by their outward appearance, by what they wear, by the way they wear their hair, whether they wear makeup or not makeup, makeup you know, what they do, well, what they, maybe they drive or they don't drive. You know, all of these things trying to become sanctified. And the truth of it is, we already are sanctified. Amen. So, and what we're going to see here, we may not get so much into it tonight, but there are two works of sanctification. But if you don't get, if you don't get the part of what God did, then trying to live a sanctified life becomes very hard. Amen. And, and it's always, again, it's always a works thing. It's always you trying to become something that you don't believe that you are. Are you here? Say, I am sanctified. I am sanctified. Hallelujah. Now, um, so it means a purifier to make holy, separation, uh, and a separation from sin unto God. That's what sanctific sanctification means. Now go over to Colossians 1.13. This, to me, this right here is the best definition of what sanctification is, of what Christ did. This is our epistle prayer. And in verse 13 it says, Who hath delivered you? Hath. Everyone say hath. That again, are you delivered tonight? Well, according to the Bible, you are. Delivered from what? Well, the power of darkness. Hallelujah. Woo, that's right. <laughs> and hath translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. Remember, one of the definitions of sanctification is separation. What do you separate you from? Power of darkness. Power of darkness. Well, you know the, the devil. Well, you've been separated from him. He no longer legally has that power over you because you've been separated out of his kingdom. This, this is the work of sanctification. This is what Christ did. Hallelujah, how he separated us out of darkness into, remember, from separation from sin unto God. This is what happened. You were delivered from the power of darkness, from the hold of the devil, from the hold of sin. It doesn't have a hold over you anymore. Well, yeah, you're saying, well, it does. I can feel it. I mean, I just can't get free from it. Well, you need to, you need to start exercising your faith and start looking in the mirror and see that you're already free from it. Amen. Instead of going forth and your faith and your, and your, your life being futile and barren because your mouth is speaking the world and speaking your bondage and speaking, speaking your, uh, you know, being defeated. And that's what's preventing you from going free. I've seen this over and over during these years. If I can get someone to believe and begin to act on that and confess that, they can walk free from it. We had a, a lady years ago and she was, man, she was just a mess. She really was. And <clears throat> so I went out to visit her. The kids were there. 
And, you know, she was just, she was oppressed and she was, began to tell me all the problems she had and everything that was going on. The kids were all around. And, and so I just began taking the word. And matter of fact, I took this scripture. I took this scripture right here. And, we, and I began to tell her. I began to read to her. I said, you know what? The Bible says God has already delivered you from the power of darkness. This, everything that's oppressing you right now, and it was, it was, it was thick. I mean, you could feel it when you walk in the house. And all, it's just that heaviness and that oppression. And what had happened? They had been just feeding it. They had been just feeding it, talking it, you know, and confessing that how bad it is and, and, you know, and just not wanting to get out of bed and just on and on and on. And I, and I took, started taking that scripture and I began getting her to confess that scripture. I began to get her to just say it. I'm delivered. And, you know, she'd just look at you cross-eyed and think, oh, yeah, right. I said, I, said, I can't give you anything else. This right here is the power. This is the power right here to destroy that that's on you and get you free from it. And so I bet we worked on that. I bet we worked on that for about, oh, 20 minutes, just confessing the word. I get her to confess the word. I, and I quit. And then she starts to say something. I said, no, 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 no. Don't say nothing. Let's just say the word. Let's just confess the word. And finally, she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't say anything. She kept confessing it, kept confessing it. I said, praise God. I said, we're delivered. She goes, yeah, I'm delivered. I said, praise God. You're delivered from the power of Satan. Yeah, I'm delivered from the power of Satan. You're delivered from this oppression. Yes, I'm delivered from this oppression. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I said, well, let's just laugh at it. Ha, 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 ha. She didn't feel like laughing. And she just kept going, ha, ha, ha. And I'm telling you what, probably within a half hour, that whole thing broke. And it broke so much that her kids would say, Mom, you look different. And she did look different. I said, she did look different. Amen. What was she doing? She was working out her salvation. This wasn't something that God was just doing at that moment. This was something that God had already done. It was already hers. Amen. She began to work out, work out her salvation. How? Through her thinking and through her confession. Praise God. And through that, it was bringing the anointing in. The anointing is what destroys the yokes. Hallelujah. And we've seen that over the years, over and over and over, that if people will just speak the word, just speak the word, and stay with that. Just stay with that. How you can see almost immediate change. You can see it. But man, you're, you have to stay with it. You can't, just, you can't just do it and then walk away from there forgetting. You can't forget what you've just, what you've just seen. You're going to have to keep that before you. Amen. Who hath delivered you from the power of darkness and has translated you in the kingdom of his dear son. This is sanctification. This is the work of sanctification on God's end. This is how he sanctified us. This is how he brought you out of darkness and brought you over and put you into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. This is the work of, this is what sanctification is. And it's his work. Amen. Amen. Now, there's other, we'll show you things, other things, but 
Um, go over to 1 Corinthians 1-2. 1 Corinthians 1-2. This will probably be as far as we get here. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, if you know anything about the Corinth church, this was a, um, there was a lot of bad things going on in this church. Worldly things. A lot of things. So, by outward standards, you would not say that this church was sanctified. You would, you wouldn't, you would, this was a real troubled church. Let's say it that way. Okay? If you were looking outwardly. And, and again, that's why, that's what uh, persuades us many times that we're not sanctified because again, we're not looking at this mirror, but we're looking at the natural mirror and we're making our conclusion that we're not sanctified because what that mirror is saying. Are you here? No, the first thing the first thing you've got to work on is seeing it in this mirror. Because if you can't see it in this mirror, this then you're never going to get the changes you want in this mirror. So he says here, unto the church of God. Notice he calls it a church of God. And I would have probably, if I, if it was me, I said this church is Satan. <laughs> But he says, church of God, and he said, to them, notice it, that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, and he even goes here, called to be saints. They're called, he goes on and calls them saints. You see how the devil has miscommunicated uh, these terms to us, and, and we think, you know, the saint has to die, and it has to go on, then we're going to vote on it and see. No, that's not what a saint is. If you're not a saint down here, you're not a, you're not to be a saint when you get there. Matter of fact, you won't get there. <laughs> he says, with all that in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, Jesus uh, Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, I want you to just listen to some of these other translations. All right, let's see. Here we go. This is the NIV. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Remember one of the things about sanctification, sanctified was also in reference to being made holy. He calls them, he says, called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and our. So uh, synonymous terms, sanctified and holy, are very often interchanged. Praise the Lord. You're, you're made holy before you ever act holy. You're sanctified before you ever Live sanctified. Okay? Good news Bible. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to all who are called to be God's holy people. Say, we're God's holy people. Who belong to him in union with Christ Jesus, together with all people everywhere who worship our Lord Jesus Christ, 
their lords and our. So notice this uh, church, which is having all this chaos going on in there, Paul's reminding them. Notice what he's doing. He's reminding them. He's taking the mirror back into the church and he's showing them this is who you are. They're not acting that way. They're not living that way. And so Paul doesn't go in and first begin reprimanding them and begin telling them, you bunch of heathens, you, and, and you know, you're acting this and that. No, he begins reminding them and showing them in the mirror who they are. See, that's what you have to do. And if you read the, when you read the epistles, if you'll look through the epistles when you're starting to read it, you'll see that's what he does at the beginning of all the epistles. What does he do? He starts reminding you who you are in Christ. He ne- at the end, he begins, he begins correcting them. But at the beginning, he never you know, belittles them or demeans them. He begins showing them who they are. I had a man um, who was incarcerated, went to a church over there. He got incarcerated, and so I was going to go see him in jail. And, you know, so I'm praying, Lord, what am I going to do? Well, you know, what, what, what do I do? And I was impressed that going there and talk to him about his righteousness, that he's righteous, a righteous man just incarcerated. But that going to jail did not demean or do anything to his position in Christ. And so when I went in there and started talking to him, you know, he began telling me a little bit what had happened. But I, you know, gradually I got the, the conversation changed because I didn't really care. I didn't want to hear everything that happened. And I began, pre- began talking to him, preaching to him about who he was in Christ. You know, I said, you know, you're a righteous man of God. And I said, just because you're on the other side now looking through those, you know, through these windows at me, I said, it didn't change yet. This is who you are. You still have the favor of God. God loves you. Nothing has changed in that manner. And, um, you know, and and after beginning to, you know, uh, talk to him that way, you could see his whole countenance began to change again. He began to say, he began to value himself. He began to, you know, look to God again because he thought God was mad at him. He thought that God was going to disown him, that he, you know, that he was going to be discounted now. He wasn't going to be saved. He wasn't saved anymore. That wasn't true. Amen. None of that. He was, even when he, what he did, he was still sanctified. He was a sanctified man of God. Amen. And so getting him to see that, and you know what? I didn't even preach to him or talk to him about it, but while he was in the jail, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. God began working with him. He started getting back in his Bible, and he started, and on his own, the, the, the Spirit of God led him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought that was so cool. Amen. So I don't know. Last I heard, he's not doing very good. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you got to keep looking in the mirror. You, you can't just look at it once in a while. You don't, you don't just memorize who you are. You got to look daily. I mean, you, you ladies know that. You look every day at yourself. Nothing's changed, you know. Why do you keep looking at yourself? Because things can get out of place. <laughs> and you're going to have to adjust it. Right? Yeah. Um, okay, let's look at New Living. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. 
I like that, God's church. To you have been called by God to be his own holy people. You know, we've been called to be his holy people. That's who we are. You are right now the holy people of God. Amen. See, how many people think that way? How many people see themselves in that, in that light? Not very many. Not very many. Well, if you knew what I did, you'd know I wouldn't be holy. No, that has nothing. I'm telling you, that part has no bearing on who you are in Christ. You are holy. Say, I am holy. He, now listen to this. He says, he made, he made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and, the, their Lord and ours. So he made you holy. Why did he make you holy? Because you called upon the name of the Lord. That's it. That's it. Even Amanda, I don't care, she's holy. Even the stunts she does, she's holy. Why? Because she's called upon the name of the Lord. That's the only thing that makes us holy. Nothing else. I said nothing else. And again, holiness is connected with sanctification. When you were sanctified, you were made holy. The um, Passion Translation. In writing you this letter addressed to the community of God throughout the city of Corinth, for you have been made pure, hallelujah, set apart in the anointed one. So what is he talking about here? Pure, holy, sanctified. He's talking about your spirit. Where Christ lives, where God lives in you. You know, that don't change. Your spirit, man. See, we're told we have to work on two things. We have to work on our soul, get our thinking changed, and we got to keep our flesh under. We're going we're, we're to work on those. But your spirit, man, that spirit man's pure, holy, sinless. Amen. And, and if you will see that, if you will see him in the right light, then that divine nature that is encased in there, will begin to come forth. Remember, he says God will bring forth the desires and the power to bring it to pass. See, when you, when you look at yourself in the right light, there is a divine power, a power that comes forth to help you be that person outwardly, to live that life. You're, not, you're still not doing it on your own. You're doing it in the Spirit. Hallelujah. For you have been made pure, set apart in the anointed one, Jesus, and God has invited you to be his devoted and holy people. And not only you, but everyone everywhere who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and ours also. The Amplified. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, set apart, say I've been set apart, then he says, made holy, hallelujah, you're set apart, you're made holy. Notice you're made, made by his hands, not yours. 
you're made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called as saints. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's people. That's what saints are. God's people. Really, it's God's holy people, saints of God. That's who we are. Amen. Amen. Saint Vicky. I've never heard of Saint Vicky. <laughs> I've heard of Saint Mark. But saints, we're saints. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Amen. That means you're God's holy people. Hallelujah. Together with all those who in every place call on and honor the name of the Lord. Notice that. It's always going back. How did you get made holy? How were you set apart? How were you sanctified? Because you called upon the name of the Lord. His work. It's all His work. Not yours. Amen. So if you didn't work it, if it wasn't anything on how good you did or anything, well then you, you can mess up and it's still not going to affect it. I said it's still not going to affect that side of it because that's who you are. Um, here, this is Amplified, the old version of Amplified. Classic. To, I like this part. To the church assembly of God, which is in Corinth. Remember, we've been talking about the assembly. The, 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 the members coming together and assembling themselves and taking their place. To the church, the assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Purified and made holy and consecrated. That's who we are. Uh, we are selected and called to be saints, God's people, together with all those in any place call upon and give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So, can you see that sanctification in this side of it, that what God did, we had, we had no part of that. We just called upon him, and then, poof, you're sanctified. You're holy. Amen. Remember the mountain where Moses went up on the mountain? You know what made that mountain holy? God. That, the mountain wasn't holy before. But as soon as God got up there, and then Moses came up there, and he said, take off your shoes. He says, why? He goes, because this mountain's holy now. Why? Because I say it is. I made it holy. It's the same way with us. We weren't holy before. We weren't sanctified before. We weren't pure before. But the moment that we came in contact with Christ, glory to God, we became holy. Hallelujah. You know, if you believe you're holy, you confess you're holy, you think that you're holy, you know you'll begin to act holy. You'll do holiness things. You will. Amen. See, it comes, holiness, the works of holiness come out of being, knowing who I am holy. Instead of always trying to do things to prove I'm holy. See, if I'm trying to do things to prove I'm holy, then what am I doing? It's works. But if I'm living holy, see, I don't do those kind of things. Why? Because I'm holy. Because I realize I'm holy. I got delivered from that. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to prove something. This is who I am. I'm pure. I'm holy. And the more, that, the more my mind is renewed to that, the more that I am Re, uh, seeing myself that way and speaking that, guess what? Then the power of holiness begins to work in me. 
and bring forth his desires and his works are being manifested in me. So it's not you trying to work on things that is, oh, this is what I need to do, I need to do this, I need to. No, just keep looking in the mirror. If you'll keep looking in the mirror, then all of a sudden everything outwardly will be, that your outward response will begin to change. Just like that guy in, you know, the jail. You know, I was trying to get his mind off of what he had done wrong and get it back on who he was in Christ. And as I began to do that, what happened? It drawed him more in to God. Instead of drawing him away from God, it drawed him into God. And in, as he drawed in, then God's able to deal with him. God's able to minister to him. Can you see that? Yes. Amen. Say, I am sanctified. I 